0: And the non believers shall be cast out from the kingdom of heaven and struck down by the wrath of God the Almighty.
1: All right, we are recording. Oh,
0: like. so. we'll lead us in with some, uh, some intro music. Dooby doobie doo. <laughs> welcome welcome to the podcast everyone i'm ben i'm ben i'm not this is uh ben adams with co-hosts ben pfeiffer and jesse wheeler our first episode uh big things happening over here very excited this week we are going to be talking about religion in the south specifically the southern united states damn (laughs) it's exciting it's going to get deep it's going to get (laughs) ugly cannot wait it's not pretty. No, no. If if nothing else, it is not pretty. Um. Yeah. So let's jump right in, since uh we have no sponsors yet to hear a word from. Uh, we do have a sponsor. Right, so it's it's my dad. It. <laughs> it's Dan. How, how much did he? How much he give us? Because I haven't seen any of that money. Two dollars. Sweet. All right. We're gonna start with a little bit of history of religion in the South and how it's how it's looked in the past. Jesse, if you wanna if you wanna lead us off, I think you probably have.
1: Uh, a little more Ooh, some southern there. cultural history sort sure, of like an introduction to it um so i'll kick us off with some culture that's what i'm most familiar with in in my readings so southern culture obviously it is a subculture of american culture which is a very large and overreaching idea and ideology that we're not going to be getting into today but southern culture uh is typically identified as this sort of like nurtured and pursued culture by those who live in the South that somehow promote a sense of separateness or otherness with the rest of the country. In terms of the base level, it's, you know, it's Pinterest culture, it's barn culture, but it's also church culture. And it's, you know, has a lot of different facets to it. So they're Obviously, we're going to be talking about slavery and the impacts of that and the current implications and the, you know, ongoing uh, policies and cultural trends that flowed out of that time. And there's also some things that I think are are cool, like things that I enjoy about Southern culture, you know, i.e. food, duh. But anyway, so Southern society, I think it's important to get an idea of what, how a society values itself to understand the culture so southern society has been and and for the most part remains a stronghold for property power the idea that ownership of land is an indicator for wealth which to be fair is a very wide and overarching concept throughout the entirety of the western world for sure but within southern culture the idea of land and uh, land ownership and prosperity are directly linked to religious standing as well those who own land sort of you know, must be blessed by god to own it in other words prosperity gospel is very central in southern land ownership identity and this uh, continues to push the religious culture within the american south and it puts a physical representation on this sort of idea of a God blessing a people. And that is a very hard concept to overcome when you're trying to combat it. And that to me is it's one, it's not all, it's one aspect of Southern culture that makes it so enduring, I guess would be a good way to a good way to word it. It's very hard to combat it because Southern culture, if you live in the South, you know that the ignorance in Southern culture is rooted in such a passivity that it is hard to actively work against and actively try to overcome because it is this overarching, entrenched, powerful, historical trend in the way that people in the South are raised to believe. It's an ideology. It absolutely, Southern culture is an ideology. So that's kind of the direction that I went with my reading up.
0: Yeah, there's a few things there that I kind of wanted to piggyback off of. Okay. Uh, the first thing you said was about the sectionality Yes. Um, And just, like, how defined Southern culture is. Like, it it lives and breathes by being its own thing and and feeling the need to be defensive um, from other parts of the country and and keep itself sectioned off or keep itself um, distanced from other things. And um, speaking on the land ownership as well, I, I was... Something I come across in reading was uh, the culture of honor, which I'm sure we've all heard of. But the, the research that, that I found was basically tying the culture of honor to defending land and land ownership. Um, right. And, and it kind of like coming out of that. So that's another, at least kind of my perspective, the culture of honor is right. something that people won't necessarily, they don't necessarily call it that, but I think it definitely plays its role. It's, it's something that's um, leads to like, a violent streak in southerners, but also in some weird way, like has come to also mean chivalry, uh, which is like odd to me that, that it preaches both violence and chivalry. And at the same time, like takes away a lot of rights from women.
1: Right. Um, Well, it's like, you know, um, whenever we talk about things like, you know, systematic racism, you're, you're going to come up in the topic of generational wealth. this this, the concept i think that you just talked about is the cultural side if generational wealth is the economic side of southern culture then this is the cultural side where it is this sort of it's passed down it is expected that Mm. you know and understand like i'm trying to find the right words to describe what i'm trying to say here but it is this idea that it is a given like no 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 no. like this is talking about slave time right now not current day which you could make that argument for sure but it's like no no no. we have these things because we are right and it's like because we're the ones in power we're the ones that get to decide who is right who is wrong just by not based on any logic or reason or anything like that it's just we have the power we are right you are wrong if we so wish
0: yeah and just to speak on that like the the logic and the reason that i came across a lot of research but also within my own experience with living in the south it's It's a lot of weird circular logic. Um, The the note that I wrote here is: it seems to me that a large part of the South's culture is based on the idea of defending the South's culture,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And, and so it's like, how can you build a culture around defending that culture, which you can't exactly define and. And yeah. I think uh, this quote I found by Charles Wilson, He's kind of puts into words what I mean by can't define. He says, uh, locating the South takes more than a map. So it's, mm-hmm. it's more than just like an area of land. And I truly cannot really put my finger on it. But being from there, like I know what people mean when they say Southern culture, but right. I can't really define it.
1: Well, I think for me, and I'm going to, I want to pass it off to Pfeiffer because I know you got something to say about this one. I think to me, it seems like the, the power from Southern culture comes from generational property ownership. If you did not own land, even I mean, even today, if you don't own land, you don't have power. That is unfortunately the way that our society operates. It's, it's. I mean, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to go on a socialist rant. But it's capital. Like, if you own the capital, you're in charge. That is what it is. It shouldn't be, but. To me, that's where the whenever we're trying to identify why is Southern culture so permeated and powerful where it's at is because the people who benefit from it the most are those who are in power and therefore are able to write those rules and continue that legacy through the generations. Just thought.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely agree. Um, it's, it's definitely used as this chess piece uh, of power. Piper, what you got? <laughs> So there, there's
2: been some stuff, and I've talked to <laughs> Ben about this before, about how culture acts as evolution, how it is passed mm-hmm. down you know, from generation to generation. Like we've been talking about, and religion is a great example of that, this self-perpetuating idea that gets passed down from parent to kid and so forth, that as we've been talking about it, perpetuates these ideas that keep people in power from those who hold the idea. And so from like that perspective, it is such a strong cultural force that it's hard to change. And I think that's one of the reasons that we've seen not as much change as we should have seen in the past. So you would think however now. many years you want to talk about, but <laughs> just like the idea of it is hard to hard to change. Right. I think now we're seeing some change in at least some of the churches, especially the United Methodist Church. that's the one I'm most familiar with
1: um, very true very true. <laughs> yeah,
2: but still
1: there's still these
2: ideas that aren't going to go away even with these changes
1: i th- I think Maybe that this would this would be a good segue to talk about religion in the south um, because one of the points that you just made ties in perfectly with the development of the bible belt Mm -hmm. when you said the south doesn't really ever change that's true but here's the crazy part it's not crazy it's you you expect it from an ideology that is so permeated and so you know historically and capitally owned as southern culture to exist in and that is that the bible belt was constructed namely by these two great awakenings through Baptist and Methodist ministers. And this was the Bible Belt development. These great awakenings were in reaction to change that was happening across the country, including the South. And these great awakenings and these revival tents and these these Baptist church establishments and the, the explosion of the Methodist church in the South were in reaction. This was Southern culture reacting to change. So I saw a lot of articles that were talking about, you know, these the Great Awakenings, which are, you know, big parts of Southern religious culture, whether you're Baptist, Methodist, or whatever else there is out there. And they're talking about how much these revivals changed the South, but from what the South was before these revivals and what it was after, it was just a more extreme version of what it already was. You know, the Bible, the development of the Bible Belt, It's absolutely a Jim Crow like reaction. And I'm not just trying to say that to be like, you know, Jim Crow is a very, you know, triggering statement. It's a, I don't know, it's, it's, it has an emotional drive behind it. People have an emotional reaction to it, and rightfully so. But these great awakenings, these great revivals in the Baptist and Methodist churches, was the South's honestly, but pretty effective way of cementing Southern culture within churches which again goes back to what you were saying, Adams, it was, it was circular at that point. The church fed the culture, the culture fed the church. It was, it was it, I mean, they were, they were one. There was no separation between, you know, Southern government and Southern church at that point. And so that's whenever I believe um, Southern religion really made its, it's sort of like death blow to whatever change was trying to occur within it it's kind of like no we're like we're here to stay and we're going to literally get rid of anybody who's going to stand in our way and we're going to do it through multiple means one of which was the development of the bible belt itself which was not a natural occurrence the bible belt was not a natural random occurrence it was absolutely it was absolutely planned i'm not saying i mean there weren't people just there wasn't like five guys sitting in a room being like we're going to take these states but no the the movement of these revivals and the outcomes of them were coordinated for sure
0: yeah it, it's in the reading that i was doing for this it totally felt planned like it, it felt very intentional it felt like everybody had an idea of what they were doing and and it's interesting how you say that because like i haven't gotten any notes on this but i was just thinking as you were saying that um these great awakenings and, and revivals were based on it was a reaction to what was happening in the rest of the country and mm-hmm. it's very interesting to me that that reaction was such fear-based like i feel like turning inward and and um kind of going back because the idea of a re- revival is to bring back something that is dead and so mm-hmm. to to let that fear-based reaction be to turn inward and to go back on your ways is, is very interesting to me because fear is something that i've seen a lot of in the south and as a motivator throughout a lot of the things we've already talked about and the things we um, are talking about right now so it's just very interesting that that, that that's the the natural reaction I guess to, to change so often in the south
1: well I would argue that 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 the idea of fear fear always comes from a from ignorance yeah when you don't understand something you're, you're afraid of it and some things you understand you are still afraid of it you know and that's perfectly fine but to me that is the direct influence of religion ie all the way back to like you know old Catholics old catholic church development early early christian church development whenever the christian church started to preach more about other than anything else it's taught more about it is you the believers and then everyone else in the world and they're all on the other yeah they're all on the other team and i do want I, i we talked about this before we started i want to be fair that there were, religious organ- there were religious people, like the Quakers, for example, who, although, no, were not perfect angels by any means, but when it came to um, things like slavery, they were staunch abolitionists, and they used their religion to do so, and I think that, you know, I, I want to be fair and give that example as well, but um, the sort of deep roots of religion in the South absolutely fuel that fear. They fuel that feeling of it is us versus them, no matter the situation. I mean as somebody who grew up in a Baptist yeah. church I, I I mean and I'm I'm going to use this as a general statement and I'm going to stand by it you never are going to hear about the world being one it's always us mm-hmm. versus them it's always it's always there at your door the enemy's trying to get in it's this it's a chronic state of fear that they put themselves in and you see that in southern religious policy as well back then today whatever whichever you want you want to look at like well,
0: I was going to take it a step further and say that it's not only in, in religious policy, but I mean, look at the, the culture and the policy in um, like the, this, if you want to say secular part of the South, I don't even think mm-hmm. can say secular, but, yeah. um, and that's the same rhetoric. It's us versus them. That's mm-hmm. what the Southern culture is about. Like it's the South versus the North. It's the South versus the rest of the country. It's the South right. versus all these things that are competing for their, um, their I don't know, whatever they fear to lose, but um it's the same thing that keeps the south so bonded in the idea of being southern
1: yeah it's definitely like even southern even the uh quote-unquote like positive side of southern culture which as somebody who grew up in south carolina there are positive sides to southern culture absolutely there's you know the idea that you i mean whether or not they're lived out or not is another as a whole other thing but the teaching that you should always be hospitable and that humility should be upheld and all these things while they're not quite as common as you'd hope, the teaching of them is, that's great. Yeah, you should be kind to your neighbor. You should try to strive for humility when you can. And those aren't bad things. But again, it goes back to even in that, there is still, even if it's just like for fun, even if it's just, you know, light, it is still an us and, and them. Mm-hmm. You can't have an other without a versus, you know? Exactly.
0: A beautiful put. Um, I think we need to take a step back here and, and just kind of define where we're going because, like you said, in fairness, when you were speaking about the Quakers, to just define exactly what we're majorly talking about. Um, so when we say the South, I guess for me, when I say the South, I'm mostly thinking of the Deep South, so mm, okay. South Carolina, yeah. Tennessee, or not Tennessee, uh, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, um, but states like Tennessee, Kentucky, Virginia, and North Carolina. They're kind of on the periphery of my thoughts when I'm saying the South. Right. And uh, all of the research I've seen, the South and especially the Deep South, has always been majority Baptist. Um, mm-hmm. and that's a, a sect of Christianity. So um that's kind I, of
1: I, I, I would like to make I'm the observation. On. There does seem to be, it's funny said so, there does seem to be, and this is purely a, like a, a joke that I like to tell my parents is that you have a Trump South and you have a Dolly Parton South. They're yeah. very, they're, they're different. They exist together, but the energies are very different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yes, Nashville yeah. is very Dolly Parton South. Uh, Anderson, South Carolina is very Trump South It's mm-hmm. very different. energy. <laughs> very different. I'm not going to get a box cutter in my back in the middle of Nashville. First, First episode. Oh, I do wow. live near Anderson. You never know. <laughs> Have <laughs> you got see, anything yeah. on it i'm
2: actively trying to look up the non-denominational
1: statistics in the south oh you can just it's just bab if, if, if there's a website they're just baptist but they call themselves non denom yeah i was, I was, I was trying place, to but, see if there's yeah. different like there's with a with a coffee shop inside
0: well i mean also just on uh to to kind of go forward into their, their religion of the south um did we want to talk a little bit about history because i mean of the south uh, i think we yeah uh, no a history of the religion of the south i mean i think oh
1: yeah
0: it's pretty self-explanatory it, it's a, all the yeah, research that i found it, says that evangelism started to dominate in the early 19th century late 18th century and yeah, then it was just that's what it was
1: it's such a strict pattern that there's there's almost no complexity to it at all there's no yeah. real explanation about religion in the South. All you got literally what you think it is is what it is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, so. Uh, actually to tie in something that Pfeiffer said earlier, when he was talking about land and uh like the evolution of, of power by passing down land and how it's upheld that way. I think religion's the same way. Religion mm-hmm. is passed down. Yeah. Um it's part of the family, it's part of the tradition, it's part of the culture and um and so it's very hard to especially if you don't physically leave your locale or your your geography, it's very hard to get out of that mindset uh, Mm -hmm. of what your parents believed or what their parents believed.
1: It takes a lot of pain. (laughs) Do what? It takes a lot of pain.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it does. It's very hard. You have to fight, literally fight through that, like that pain and that pressure to, to sustain those beliefs or to branch out.
1: Oh God, leaving religion. Mm -hmm. That was the, that was the hardest transition so far in my life. Absolutely. Even just Uh, lightly, even just being like, well, I don't know. Even the, I don't know. I remember the fear reactions that I would have when I was like, this doesn't make sense. (laughs) Yeah, and this is a good point. Uh, This is from Pew
0: Research Center. Something I found was it's not just the belief in God. It's like in the South, it's like the staunch belief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What I found was that, see, 87% of religious people in the South were at least fairly certain that the God was real and that he was there. God. And 71% of those were absolutely certain. We're at about <laughs> 70 plus percent, absolutely certain.
1: Yeah.
0: And- uh, I'm not laughing at so those people. Even, I'm
1: laughing at the absurdity of that number.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so just, just stepping into the, I don't know, or stepping into the like, maybe not, maybe yes. Like just stepping into that is hugely frightening.
1: Yeah, of course. If you, God, yeah. do you- I remember being in Sunday school and just questioning. Mm-hmm. So, I, so here's, a, here's a specific example. I remember sitting in Sunday school and I was in a ninth grade, I think. I think it was a freshman in college or no, freshman in high school. I'm pretty sure. I, mean, I remember the shirt that I wore. I know that was a freshman high school shirt. <laughs>
0: um, it was Air Postal. <laughs> it
1: was Air Postal. And I remember. It was at that point that I was doing, you know, it it was a very tumultuous time in my own personal life. So I was kind of grasping for any sort of stability. I remember asking just the question, like, hey, is the creation story literal? And I don't remember how I asked it. I just remember it was along those lines. And I remember having to have a meeting with the youth pastor. I had a meeting with the like main general pastor (laughs) <laughs> but I remember I like had to have meetings to confirm my faith. That is insane. That is actually insane. Whether you're religious or not, that is an insane thing to do. And I just remember like, yeah, that, f- and then after that, I was terrified to like question again. Absolutely terrified.
0: I mean, how insecure do you have to be in your own face that the questions of a fourteen-year-old can like shake you that hard, (laughs) where you need to like we're gonna have a full-on intervention with this kid? Because so here's
1: the thing: this is now coming from a like renewed secular view in my life. I, I genuinely don't think that it was insecurity. I genuinely believe because they wanted to uphold their beliefs so staunchly that it was it wasn't about me it was about them right somebody right. Oh, yeah, challenged, somebody challenged their belief and it, it i was not a factor in their decision at all i now understand that and there were others like i went to a christian high school as well so i'm fully aware of just how you know a, a, like, aggressive these people can get but it had nothing to do with me it had everything to do with the fact that their beliefs that they hold on to so staunchly if somebody else questions then they get mad like mm-hmm. mad not even just like oh interesting point i'd love to hear more or hey i disagree mad like really angry
0: this is actually a a great uh point for something i'd written down in my notes um in the research i looked into on the culture of honor a lot of research had come about about interpersonal relations in the south Mm -hmm. and uh this study i'm trying to find the name of it so i can reference it but uh it was anyway the study was involved or done by richard nesbitt who did a lot of uh research on topics like this. And basically it showed that Southern people living in the South are more likely than other cultures to take things more personally or to interpret interpersonal uh, messages as threats or interpret them more harshly. Right. Um, And I I think that ties into what you're saying because religion is not, it's not something that people do. It is part of their culture, like we've been saying, but it's also part of their family that has been Mm -hmm. passed down to them. And then it becomes part of their own personal identity. So when you, as a 14 year old kid, walk in there and ask a simple question, you're not asking a question of of something that's unrelated. You're asking a question of their family, of Mm -hmm. their honor, of their religion, of their geography, of their home. Like it's it's so deep within someone that it's impossible not to take personally. Well,
1: it goes back to the passivity of Southern culture itself, wherein I genuinely believe they did not understand why, They had such a reaction to a situation like that, and that wasn't isolated either. And I just want to say, for the honestly, for the most part, the experiences that I had with religion were positive. I had, you know, I met people who did make me better. I, you know, carried beliefs during my exit that I believe still make me a better person. However, yeah, it was not an isolated incident, and these people, sorry, those people. I don't think understood the mechanisms of why they had the type of reaction they had. It's passive. It's something that is so ingrained in you that you don't even understand where it's coming from.
0: Absolutely, You don't Just think don't about it
1: because you don't have to think mm-hmm. about it because the reaction yep. in of itself is your act of faith mm-hmm. and that, that fuels your belief even further. Pfeiffer, go. <laughs> so
2: yeah, I think like
0: putting
2: kind of what already said, of putting together what we've said thus far, with like Ben talking about the insanely high statistics of who is religious in the South and the strength of those beliefs, and Jesse talking about his experiences with questioning the church, and also me previously talking about you know, the pe- perpetuation of religion and these mm-hmm. ideas. Once you ask if, or once you question what. You're you're, needed, you're then an outsider. You're no longer an
1: insider. Yeah, yeah, because yes.
2: of the intense pressure of this religious culture that we have, it doesn't allow for questions, and it doesn't allow for the change that it yeah. needs to adapt to the adapting right. secular culture. Right. Um, that's one of my personal, uh, I guess, issues is that it does Christianity has adapted to 2000s? yeah by now people seem like they don't want it to
1: well so i think christianity has greatly changed from its original its original organization however it has only changed along the lines that serve whatever institution is trying to use it so for instance i think the catholic church mm. is the first culprit of this yeah the catholic church was one of the first major Institutions that utilized religion to levy, or utilized the Christian religion to levy power, and you see that in Southern culture too. This, because um, you know, the Catholic Church had a very uh, heavy push for anti-intellectualism. Uh, they didn't push for literacy. They, uh, they only the you know the monks were literate. And and, and okay, I'm not an expert on Catholic culture, so I'm not going to go into the whole thing. But yeah, questioning is not allowed. And so in order to get keep people from questioning, you raise them from day one already with the preconceived notion that you raise a child to believe they are part of the in-group and everyone else is the Mm out-group. And that solidifies that belief system because that kid will never want to leave the in-group because the outside is scary. It's very Nemo in that sense. But this might be a good segue to sort of wrap up with what we have down for uh, personal experience. Because we, that, that, yeah. we we went in a little bit of a circle, and that was good, healthy circle. We did one loop.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's going to be really a wrap up. I got a lot to say about
1: this. <laughs> <Whole smiles down. laughs> um,
0: Two partners, three partners. All, all right. <laughs> so transitioning into um, the personal side of this. Because, um, you know, why are we talking about this? Why is this even. A topic that we wanted to do, let alone the first one we wanted to do. I think it's just because religion has been so influential on us, whether we want it to be or not. Um, we all grew up in South Carolina and so it had an effect on on shaping who we are because the South is so religious that religion, you can't escape your religion, will have an effect on you in some way, shape, or form. Right. Uh, so yeah, like we talked about, the culture and the religion are inextricably tied together. Um, so for me personally, uh, in my notes, I have written that religion has been negative for me and I looking back at it now and like thinking about it, I don't know if negative is the right word. I think my ex- personal experience within the church and uh, interacting with the individuals within the church are mostly positive. And I mean, that stands to reason because they're not going to come in, you're not going to go in there and they're going to be mean to you um, if they want you to stay. So uh, I wouldn't say my ex- my experience within the church is necessarily negative, but it's more so what I believe the church does or doesn't do for people uh, while it claims to. So just in doing research from this uh, and, and living in the town, I, I live outside of the South now. Um, well, I'm, I live in Florida, so technically not, but Orlando is not really the South. Florida is a different this, country. Yeah, honestly. But just being around so many more perspectives, I, even as defining myself as someone from the South. So when someone would ask me where I'm from, saying South Carolina, like even that had religious implications, mm-hmm. um, whether I knew it or not. And so as a, as a person in the mental health field, I've, my biggest issue with religion personally is that I believe it hinders individuals from progress with their own mental health. Um, there's huge stigma in religion about receiving mental health. And the answer, mental health treatment, when the answer when it comes to mental health issues is too often, pray about it. Uh, seek the guidance of a member of the church or a member of the um, senior staff or whatever leadership team, instead of, you know, search your own feelings or go to counseling, you know, seek out the professional mental health treatment. And I think it not only is it stigmatizing, but oftentimes the church straight out condemns Mm -hmm. mental health counseling and stuff like that. So having the, having God or having the Bible or prayer to fall back on uh, for me is, it's, it, I, I wrote cop out, but that's a little bit harsh of a word. It, it's, it's an easy answer to a complex problem, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, it, the infuriating part of this for me is that so many people within the church will preach that prayer and healing and all this, but like they're actively holding people back. So it angers me from an ethical standpoint because church members are more, and more so church leaders are willing to lead people who desperately need help down a path to keep themselves suffering all the while preaching about how Jesus will end their suffering. And <laughs> more on that topic, Christianity as a whole preaches that people are broken and unworthy from the start. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just a message that I, I cannot stand. I not only disagree with that, but it infuriates me as a human being that another human would willingly and joyously bring a human into such and in, into believing such a painful and damaging rhetoric. And, and that's my biggest problem. <laughs> I mean, as wordy yeah. as that was, I think it's ethically irresponsible to lead people in such a way that, that keeps them and holds them back from attaining better mental health or a more whole self. I mean, a little I, rant.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't, I, I, can't, I can't word it any better, really. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: really hit the nail on the...
1: <laughs> you drove it in. you um,
2: the coffin right there.
0: And that's just a small part of, I think, what the negative stigma comes about from the church. But I'm sure we'll do another podcast on, on sexuality and religion.
1: And oh, for sure. And I actually There's would... There's a whole... <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll talk about why I want to do one at some point on more positive aspects of it, even though I'm no longer a part of that institution. It's for a... Uh, well, I guess it's, I'll, I'll touch on it real quick. I mean, you said it in yours where, you know, there are pastors... And religious leaders who will lead congregations down psychologically destructive paths and there's some who lead who genuinely want to help and do help people and I, I do recognize that. I do think that for people that I know who are very invested in their religion, sometimes that is what they need and I get that. I understand that. Uh, it's not for everyone. And I think that that's where the red line is, is that oftentimes the church doesn't allow for that, not for everyone to exist. Mm-hmm. If it is for you, great. That's awesome. You do you. For me, my experience was I entered into the church very early and all around it was a positive experience. And you know, the majority of those beginning years, because we were, I know like my family was not going through a great time and the church the people in the church really did step up and help out a lot and i'm you know forever thankful for that experience and that's great and then for me um you know my mental stressors began to develop around like middle (laughs) school (laughs) and that's whenever my experience with the church became very negative very quickly i remember I remember asking like my parents like hey can I not go or can I go to a different church cuz I thought if I went somewhere different it'd be better but looking back now I'm like no nah, it would have been bad no matter where you went yeah and so having those neg- negative experiences of having like your mental health ignored for the sake of some sort of like spiritual well-being which I'll get into why I do believe in spiritual wellness while not being you know uh, institutionally religious but that really was the formative like those actions were really formative for me leaving religion and having and it was it was about mental health it was it was about mental health the entire time uh, i remember getting to college and you're able to have access to a mental health counselor i remember going for like the first time and it was absolutely to me it was insane um cuz i remember i always felt like i was somebody who like i could la- like i could laugh it off brush it off whatever it was you know there was some sort of positive spin Um, and that's you know that's that's fine that can take you to that can get you only so far and there was one day I just I just was like all right I gotta call someone I'm just I'm not doing well you know I'm not I'm not thinking well I'm not doing well I'm not feeling well and so I went in for counseling like genuine actual real therapeutic you know psychotherapy psychotherapy it was great life-changing and after that I was like well I'm this is what religion this is how it makes me feel on good days. I remember thinking that. I remember thinking um, if you're in the church you'll understand like if you've ever had an experience you'll understand with like the phrase spiritual high. You know you hear that a lot and going to therapy was a spiritual high. It was the same feeling that I would get and that sort of started my exit where I was like okay so those those emotional experiences that I were having were not necessarily spiritual in nature. They were more emotional emotional reactions which is completely Mm. fine a good emotion is a good emotion like i mean i'm not saying that it always comes from a good place but and so then i sort of then i did like a deep dive out of religion it was kind of like a you know if i i knew if i tried to do it gradually i would stop myself and so i was like i'm just gonna leave as fast as possible and see what happens essentially um while still like believing in a god and kind of being like, I just need to leave. So I didn't go to church for like two years. And I, did, <laughs> that was a very emotionally healing time in my life. <laughs> I felt great. My life was, I was going like up and up and up and up and up. And I was able to, in terms of my mental health, able to cope so much easier. And yeah, so now I've sort of settled into a, um, I definitely would consider myself yeah, like secularly spiritual. I, I I am a deist, so I'm not agnostic, I'm not atheist. Um, I definitely believe in uh, like God, but it's far more universal and Unitarian than previously, for sure. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I would be burnt, burned at the stake, and for that, I am proud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was my church experience. <laughs> I feel like you all have
2: a lot more to say than just these... Like,
1: oh, I mean, for sure. Give, like, whole episode this is just, give, this like... is just giving a taste of, like, this is where we're coming from um, when we talk about future topics, because... It does play a key role in your world view. Oh, yeah. Definitely,
2: yeah. Um, oh, like, I got like burp, but it's not kind
1: of burp. <coughs> nice. <laughs> God. We can,
2: we can add that up. Um, uh, yeah, so I guess, well, thank you both, Doug and Jesse, for sharing. <laughs> uh, we appreciate it. And the listeners appreciate it as well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess I'll start off my uh, experience with the church. Uh, I think mine was a lot more positive than most of you uh,
1: <laughs> Which is perfectly fine. There are absolutely positive aspects of the church. Yeah, yeah I'm not here uh, to down anyone who's got a positive no, 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 no,
2: So, first, I'd like to say that I'm sorry um, don't apologize, apologize. everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <have> not to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but but we—never mind. I don't want to make too many religious jokes. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think like the rest of us, I was raised in the church. I was raised in a Methodist church, <laughs> and that was pretty up my vibe. And these things, like I didn't really question much for a while. Uh, I, I devoted myself to learning as much as I could about it. I was like, well, if this is the ticket, if this is, like, how my life is going to be lived, if this is also the ticket to eternal life, if this is all these things that were taught, I better figure out what the heck is going on, because if I don't, <laughs> someone's going to tell me things that are wrong and going to me a strength or I'm not going to, like, know everything that I need to, to have a solid faith through foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so because of that, uh, uh, I learned a lot. I read the Bible a lot and uh, that carried over into uh, later in life, you know, doing outside research, secondary sources, I guess, stuff like that. Um, and so I guess about in college, I started thinking more about things and things weren't quite adding up like I thought they should have. There seemed to be a, I'm not sure if you guys experienced this, this, but seems to be a disconnect between the logic of theology and the logic of Christianity and actual logic. (laughs) What? (laughs) Um, So that didn't make much sense to me. Um, So I started looking up uh, other places, and during this time, um, I was volunteering quite a bit and seeing people go to church on Sundays and eating lunch with people and then going home, you know, doing whatever for the rest of the day, hanging out, seeing that kind of Christianity versus people serving other people, people giving up jobs to go run soup kitchens seeing people come in who haven't eaten in like five days and couldn't get medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, They didn't have insurance, they didn't have money, they didn't have jobs, and seeing just the disconnect of the culture, like we talked about, the culture of Christianity and actual Christianity. uh, That can make me mad. Seeing uh, people talk. And seeing people actually in the trenches, and what I thought and I believe, uh, fighting the good fight or fighting a fight that is good, uh, which is helping right. the people, and so kind that kind of turned me off uh, of organized church. And also, it just wasn't interesting. I don't know if you guys, church is not interesting. It's not. I like not <laughs> it's designed to enter It's not designed to entertain people. Well, right, I think no. it kind of is. And since, like it's it's designed to appeal to your emotions and get you like you know all feeling things so you come back but not like it doesn't appeal to people who have short attention spans or who have want to ask questions or um, who want to know more. It, it it seems like the modern church is there it exists to get people to come back every Sunday and that's it.
0: Um, yeah, I agree. With
2: so
1: that. Sure. Oh, I have a bet. I have a staunch bet. Within thirty years, the Baptist Church will be marrying gay people. And I would, mm-hmm, I, I would, yeah. I would say honestly, within twelve, ten, ten to fifteen would be a healthy range. Only because once they start losing money, yeah, they're gonna shift. Yeah. Oh yeah, I <laughs> mean, money's a motivator for everyone. the American yeah. Church yeah. is just a money laundering scheme. Change my mind. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's very genuine, very good people within the organization. Who want to do good, but I don't believe the organization itself of the American Protestant Church is a is up to the task of being a truly moral institution.
0: I would agree. Yeah, Ben, did you have anything uh, remaining on your your personal story?
2: No, I mean, I that sums it up right now, I guess. Trying to oh.
1: find a place in all of my thoughts. That
2: yeah, made no sense. But that's definitely- Love
1: it. So that's kind of where we're coming from. Does anybody have any closing thoughts? Anything extra they want to get out?
0: Um, I don't have a, a closing thought, but I'll just have a closing remark when we get to the
1: end. Okay, I got I got nothing else. Adams, what, what you got for closing?
0: Well, I just want to say um, to the listeners and to my co-host here, thanks for giving us the space to talk. I really enjoyed this and just being able to talk about something that matters to us and something that I feel probably matters to a lot of people. Hmm. I just hope that someone resonated with something we said. Uh, and if you if you heard this and you did resonate or relate to anything we're talking about or any of our experiences, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, hopefully we'll post this with some contact links or something, at least uh, one of our Instagrams or something you can DM me, always on Instagram. Hmm. Um, but... Yeah, if, if, or if you had a vastly different experience, please let us know as well. I'd love to to communicate with, with individuals about this and um, just see how our experiences differ or align. Um, so again, thanks for listening. Thanks for giving
1: us this space. And um, we'll uh, talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to Not As Christian as When We Started. If you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Pocket Cast, or Anchor FM, be sure to share that link. Our email will always be in the description, and we are happy and willing to take any questions you may have. And remember, if you enjoyed today's episode, my name is Jesse, and if you hated it, my name is Ben.